Kia ora. Welcome to We Should Talk, a podcast series where we explore the journeys our Kiwi women have had in the media industry. We want to show you that you can achieve success wherever your career takes you, with the help of those who have been through it all. For updates, make sure you're following our social media platforms, weshouldtalk.podcast, and to find exclusive content, sign up to our mailing list at weshouldtalk.info. In this week's episode, I talked to the lovely Sarah Nixon-Clark, Head of Partnerships at MediaWorks New Zealand. Sarah has been in multiple areas of the media world and has admirable experiences to share. Sarah's story includes talking about women in leadership, mental health and resilience in the industry. Let's start from the beginning. I am the Head of Partnerships at MediaWorks. I work with an amazing team and we look after all of the things from working with like Netball New Zealand, NZ Cricket, the Breakers. We're kind of the conduit in between those and making that partnership happen. And then on the other side of things, we also look after like the concerts. So we just had like Billie Eilish announced this morning, which was really exciting with the Edge and Mori Femme. So we help kind of pull all those partnerships together as well. And it's just growing more and more even during you know what has been a really tricky 18 months with COVID um there's still like a lot of hope and excitement around it and especially now with the vaccine coming out looking ahead to 2022 and like RMV announcing that um the vax passport you're going to have to have to go but it gives me and, and my team a bit of hope that um that things will maybe return to a bit of normality next year but it's also been really inspiring the resilience of promoters within New Zealand and how they've made things work with what they can and like seeing the likes of 660 doing their Eden Park gig was just amazing and it's been a really exciting time for New Zealand acts to really come into the forefront and be the heroes of of the event scene without all the internationals being able to come. So how do you as a team and as a leader of this team get through that difficult situation like obviously it had a massive impact on you guys what made it easier what kind of got you through it it was really tough like it was really tough uh we went through a restructure and everything um and so our team got downsized a little bit but it it kind of made us stronger as a team we just found different ways of working together um being really open and honest with each other when we're having a tough day and just owning that I think there's a really nice movement in terms of people being able to speak more about mental health you know no one feels alone in this that they can say I'm having a really tough day like events working events and partnerships has been really rough you know but it's the the power of your team and the power of your company as well and the support that they give you kind of helps you get through and then ultimately end of the day it's your passion for the industry that you're in that that will drive you to to keep going and and hopefully see that there's light at the end of the tunnel like it was pretty it was pretty rough March last year when the vaccine wasn't around you weren't sure what was going to happen but just very grateful that um, some amazing people stuck around within the partnerships team and just kind of waited it out and then it all came to fruition and we got to go to RMV last year and 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 that kind of made it all worth it and that's we've learned from March last year into this lockdown is just um just keep going, just keep yeah. connecting. It's all just the little things, you know, that that makes you feel still a part of it, even though you're not in the office. And I think that TikTok has kind of been a really big thing that has come out of this, that 
um, these new platforms to, to connect with audiences and get them interested. But to be honest, everyone in New Zealand loves a good Fat Freddy's Drop gig or a 660 gig. So it wasn't hard to motivate people to be excited about the gigs. It was just about taking them on the journey that it was still going to happen and still going to come. Kiwis are very resilient and very patient. And so when there was changes and schedules and whatnot, it felt like the audience is still stuck there. But one thing that really came out of, in terms of looking at the creativeness and was the rise of the likes of Georgie Femme and um, drum and bass and DJs. And everyone kind of caught on pretty quickly that DJs didn't have a big touring group with them. So it was easier for them to come into New Zealand and do these amazing gigs. So that has just been so amazing to see the rise of George FM. So in terms of you personally, how did your career start out and how did you get to this point where you're in partnerships? Mine goes way back. I think I was about 10 or 11 and I um, love music absolutely love music but I can't sing I can't play for shit so I just knew I wanted to get into the music industry in, in, in some way but as a 10 11 year old you don't really know about music labels or anything like that you just listen to the radio so that's where I was like if I want to be around music I need to be in radio so I had no idea what I wanted to do in radio I never really saw myself doing announcing or anything like that but that started my pathway journey to doing everything I could to get into uh, broadcasting school. I am introverted by nature, so I knew that I needed that step up through an organization like broadcasting school to be able to get into the industry. Whereas, you know, you hear these amazing stories about like JJ or Jono um, who just hung around and got a job. I knew I couldn't do that without a kind of certificate. <laughs> <laughs> so went to B school um, and then I started my career off. My internship was in Taranaki as a creative writer. Got into the job, had an amazing boss, but quickly realized that job was not for me. I did not want to be a creative writer. I felt I couldn't kind of really express as much creativity as I wanted. So I um, took a punt and took a pay cut and went up to Auckland, which is where I'm from, to be a full-time roadrunner. I got told I was crazy by my boss at the time for taking a pay cut, for getting rid of like all this work I'd done into being a creative writer. Um, I then became the Edge brand manager, which was really interesting and, and, and challenging because it was at the time that Fletch and Vaughan left to go to ZM. Like Vaughan like, is a good mate, but it was it was hard, you know, to, to be a brand manager, a very young brand manager going through all of that. And I then had a little bit of a break because I pretty much had a meltdown because I was burnt out and then came back. Um, I only lasted 10 months out of radio and I missed the culture so much that I wanted to come back. And then that started me on, I've been in partnerships for about four and a half years and, and done different parts within partnerships and then progressing into kind of being the head of. Stereotypically, radio is an industry with big personalities. So you being an introvert at heart, how did you deal with that? And what were the processes you had to take to come out and show people who you were? It's been a long journey to kind of feel confident enough to stand up and say what I'm thinking or put my ideas out there. It definitely wasn't easy, especially when you're sitting in the edge office and there's just a bunch of amazing, but very loud people that were dancing and singing and, and, and I kind of would just sit back. But the thing is, I love extroverts. I love being surrounded by them. So I kind of found my spot through that by recognizing that Yes, I'm introverted, but I, I love extroverts. And then it's just been about finding different ways that work for me. The industry wouldn't work if it was all extroverts and it wouldn't work if it was all introverts. You need that mix. And it's about these different layers as well. And that what is what makes up the perfect team. You need that those different styles to come together. 
And so you don't think you lacked opportunities because you were quieter than others? I feel like I might have had to prove myself a little bit more because I wasn't outwardly out there and shouting out ideas. I felt like I had to prove myself through lots of hard work, but I slowly built up my like reputation on how I work and follow through on things and, and whatnot. But I'm really pleased that I didn't try and change myself to try and be an extrovert and try and be like that, you know, and I think it's um, about being true to yourself. And it's really hard though, when you're in your twenties, I'm still figuring myself out who I am and what I stand for and how I do things. But at the end of it, you've kind of just got to do what feels right for you. And you've had a lot of leadership roles within your time at MediaWorks. Um, being such a male-dominated industry and also such a big personality industry, how did you go about those leadership roles, being a woman, being a bit more introverted and dealing with, yeah, other people? Yeah, that's still something I'm, I'm really learning. Um, I found that if I surround myself with really good people, a really good team, like it definitely, definitely has been a male-dominated industry, but I've also had some amazing female leaders as well that have, have really mentored me. I definitely don't think I've got it cracked yet you know like I'm still learning um sometimes I'll still cry if I'm if I'm angry like that's that's one thing that I really need to learn um it's so frustrating when you're angry at something and your first reaction is to cry and then someone's like don't be upset and you're like I'm not but yeah I think it's just surrounding yourself with good management a good team and just learning you know sometimes you learn the hard way and there's definitely been a few bumps along the way you know being told that in the past that I was too emotional um, and things like that but then I've realized that being an empathetic and emotional leader is who I am and I don't want to change that and just because there's been um, certain males running things in certain ways doesn't mean I need to mimic them or I need to be like them I, I can do it my own way and that's what my manager has kind of helped me see that I can be authentically me as a manager and and you know people have opinions on you and that's hard and especially in partnerships lots of people are so excited about the events and gigs so lots of people do have opinions on it so that's been a journey but I think I'm I'm getting there yeah and being an empathetic leader is that has so many benefits as well so it's really cool that you've been able to be that and be yourself while you're in this role because I think that's amazing that you've stuck to who you are Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I think empathy is sometimes seen as such a bad thing and, and can be draining sometimes, you know, but I think it is such a, um, such a bonus. And as a manager, it's not about you. It's about bringing up the people around you. You know, like it's about shining the light on them, helping them get what they need. And I truly believe that. It's not about you anymore when you are a manager. It is about the next people coming through. And you need to surround yourself by people that are better at their job. One of my team who she is just such a go-getter and like really thick skin. And I'm like, I need some tips from you <laughs> on how to deal with some of these situations. Yeah, I think that that's really important. And I'm sure there's been a few, but can you think of like a biggest challenge you've had in your career and overcoming that? Yeah, definitely. I think it would be that time when I was the brand manager at The Edge. Mm -hmm. And essentially what it was, was burnout. Mm -hmm. um, so I got diagnosed at the time with anxiety and depression, which was really hard, especially this was back in 2013, 2014. There had been some discussions around mental health that wasn't outwardly spoken about there was still some stigma around it so I kind of threw in the towel as brand manager because in my head I thought I was doing such a bad job I was like I'm such a um, liability to the brand and all of that and, and, and quit 
after a, a really tough week. Uh, whereas in reality, I probably should have just had a holiday. <laughs> but, you know, that was, it happened and that's part of my journey. And I feel like I, I went away um, and re-looked at, at prioritizing my mental health. And I think that at the time, I would have thought that that was a really big regret that I quit during that time. But looking back now, I think it's just part of my journey and part of who I am and, and how I am as a, a manager now as well. And recognizing burnout, recognizing anxiety, I yeah. feel in a really good space. I feel like sometimes it did probably hinder me a little bit um, with job opportunities at the time because of, you know, oh, how is Sarah going to cope with this stress and anxiety? But, and so I've had to prove myself over quite a few years to say, I can handle the stress. I can handle the anxiety. I've done, I continue to do so much work on, on my own mental health and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, that would, that would be my biggest hurdle. Yeah. So still being in the, in the industry as well, around that mental health space, do you think it's, there's more support for it now and it's more talked about? Yes, definitely. I think like I've had managers talk to me about their struggles with mental health mm-hmm. and, and just showing that it's okay, that the best thing you can kind of do is, is talk about it before it's too late, before you just quit. You know, like if I could go back and do that all again, I would have said, I'm really struggling, please listen to me. Whereas I kind of thought that it was such a weakness that I had to bottle it all up and then I just had to leave. But I feel like there's such a movement and I think radio has a really important role to play in normalizing it and normalizing talking about getting help and, and all of that. Yeah, and it sounds like you've put yourself in a position now where being a manager, you can give that back to your team that you once kind of wish you had when you were in that situation, which is amazing that you can do that. Yeah, it's so important. And like, hopefully that'll just keep going. And for the future, for the interns coming in that they, you know, being an intern is really hard. Like it's the hard slog, you know, so... I think it's just about reaching all corners of, of the industry to make sure that they feel heard and seen no matter if you're in planning or in production and stuff. Everyone everyone suffers from it to a degree and especially at the moment, like it, it's such a really tough time. It's not going to stop you from getting anxiety or depression or, or suffering from mental health, but at least you've got some people that you feel safe being able to talk to. And I guess for someone coming into the industry, what would be your biggest advice? I guess it is just about making those connections, speaking up, particularly talking to women. It's about being authentic to yourself, not feeling like you have to change who you are. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been an interesting year for MediaWorks. Obviously, we've had our culture review and whatnot. But from that, there's nothing but positive steps coming into place. And I think it's a really wonderful time to be stepping into the industry. From the outside, it may seem a bit scary, but um, there are so many people that will wrap around you to help bring you up, help pull you through. And then also calling out bad behavior, calling out if something's not right, even as an intern, knowing that you are part of the industry now, you are part of the business and your voice has every right to be heard. And just telling people, it's about finding ways to vocalize it and, and using the systems that we've got in place. And I think that now you will definitely be heard. Just hearing it firsthand from someone in the industry that's been through so much is really cool. And it's um, almost reassuring for us, I think, going into that, that yeah, there's support there and that we'll have ups and downs, but it's worth it in the end. It totally is. And like, that's all I want. Like, it's such an honor to be able to talk to you because I'm so passionate about more women coming in, especially encouraging diversity in in terms of who comes into radio and and whatnot. And we've got to follow through with all these good things that we've been saying. It's actions at the end of the day, tangible change is is how it's going to continue, you know, for our industry and make a difference. And it's going to be you guys that come through with the new ideas, the new ways of doing things that's going to make sure that we're still 
a company and still an industry for years to come. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of We Should Talk. Make sure you follow our Instagram and Facebook accounts and head to weshouldtalk.info for exclusive content. Catch you next week. This is brought to you by the students of the New Zealand Broadcasting School at Ara Institute of Canterbury.